This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. awesome and graceful is the God we serve. Because if the God we serve didn't take back those gifts and calling and promises for the nation of Israel, he's not going to take it from you. If he made a promise to you, he's going to keep it. He's going to keep it. He never changes. Even when Israel was faithless, they didn't trust in the Messiah. They didn't trust in Jesus. They were faithless. God never changed. God remains faithful. They were unfaithful. God still remains faithful. When God made his promise to Abraham to make him into a great nation, he meant it. When Abraham took matters into his own hands and had Ishmael, God didn't take his promise back. God kept his word, creating two nations from Abraham's children. Pastor Eddie will share in today's message how faithful your creator is and how you can trust every promise he makes to you as well. God's faithfulness is beyond compare. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Romans chapter 11 with today's edition of Running the Race. God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't take back his words. He doesn't make mistakes. That's why when you hear the term written in stone, when God gave the laws, he wrote it in stone, and Moses carried those stones. Because the stones, you can't erase it. There's no erasers. It's written in what he says. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't change his mind. And so the calling and the gifts and the calling are irrevocable. God, uh, it, it doesn't take him back. Now, to keep this in context, keep it in context, 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 context. When it comes to the gifts and the calling, it's not referring to spiritual gifts. Yes, there are spiritual gifts, but it's not referring to the spiritual gifts here. Paul is speaking about the promises he gave to Israel, the promises that God is not taking back. What are those gifts? We saw them in chapter 8. We saw them in chapter 9. In chapter 8, it applies to all. In Romans chapter 8, verse 30, he says, Moreover, he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Concerning Israel, they were blessed with these gifts. And the calling, the calling to be a nation, to carry the oracles of God, the covenants of God. In Romans chapter 9, verse 4, he says, Who are Israel, to whom pertain the abduction the glory, the covenant, the giving of the law, the service to God, who can only go into temple and serve God, and the promises. So it's speaking about those gifts and calling that God has called Israel to be a nation. Once God made an unconditional, is an unconditional covenant, a covenant he's made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he never goes back on it. He made a covenant with them. And that covenant is an everlasting covenant. We see many covenants in Scripture. You know, when God said, if you will obey my laws and my commands, you know, you will be my people and I will be your God. But you have to obey those laws. But prior to God giving the nation of Israel laws, he made an everlasting covenant with Abram, who is now Abraham. 
And the promise he made to Abram in Genesis chapter 17, verse 7, the Lord said, I would establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in the generations for a what? Everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. God is still the God of Israel. And it's an everlasting covenant. It's a one-way covenant. In other words, Israel didn't, it wasn't conditional based on Israel, or whether they're going to sin or reject God. It wasn't a condition whether or not Abraham was going to continue to be a father of faith. It was all based on what God has promised to Israel. This is my promise to you. And he kept that promise. And to prove that he kept that promise, what happened when the Lord said, I will multiply your descendants like the stars in the sky? Unconditional covenant, right? What happened after 10 years waiting? Sarah said, listen, I can't wait any longer. We're supposed to have a son, you know? I waited 100 years. That's going on. Well, you know, here's my maidservant, Hagar. Abraham, you lay with her. He didn't argue. He should have argued. He didn't argue. And guess what? The child we have from her will be our son. God didn't want it that way. That was by the flesh. God wanted it to be supernatural. But guess what? Here's the point. God's promise still remained because how many Arabs do we have in this world? Just as much as Jews. You see, the seed of Abraham was blessed. It was a covenant God made to Abraham. He didn't say, well, okay, you messed up, Abraham. That's not what I had in mind. But Lord, you didn't say I had to do something. No, you know, it was a one-way covenant. And because God made that promise to Abraham, as much as he didn't want Ishmaelites and Ishmaels, they had to multiply as much as do Isaac and Jacob. Now, saints, you know what? This is an amazing thing for you and I to understand because it just shows how amazing is the God that we serve. How awesome and graceful is the God we serve. Because if the God we serve didn't take back those gifts and calling and promises for the nation of Israel, he's not going to take it from you. If he made a promise to you, he's going to keep it. He's going to keep it. He never changes. Even... When Israel was faithless, they didn't trust in the Messiah. They didn't trust in Jesus. They were faithless. God never changed. God remains faithful. They were unfaithful. God still remains faithful. You're unfaithful with the Lord in your worship to him. He still remains faithful to you, you see. And that's because God cannot deny his very nature. He can't deny his very nature. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 Paul writes to Timothy, he said, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. He remains faithful. And so that's an assuring thing to know that we serve a covenant-keeping God. We serve a God that makes promises. And the promise he made to us when we accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior, he said, I will go prepare a place for you. Let me tell you, he's preparing a place for us. And if he's coming to prepare a place for us, it's not for the place to be empty. He's coming back to get us. Verse 30. He says, for as you were once disobedient to God. Remember when we were once disobedient? Remember we were once enemy with God? Our minds were enmity with God? This is your BC days before your Christ, before you met him. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy. God was merciful towards you. He was merciful towards every man. Why couldn't it be for Israel? But he says, through there, speaking through Israel, through Israel disobedience, Romans chapter 5, verse 19, 
For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's disobedience, many will be made righteous. Again, we can go back where we started with our text this morning in verse 25. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile has come. He says, through their disobedience, we have received mercy. God sovereignly chose Israel. They rejected Christ the Messiah. He said, well, I'm going to go to a people that, that wasn't even looking for me. I'm going to provoke you to jealousy by another nation who didn't have the covenant. And they're going, again, oy vey. We did all the sacrifices and the covenants. And here we have these heathens, these pagans, these Gentiles. Now they have our Messiah. They have our God. Verse 31 He said, even so, these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that they may have mercy on all. God has committed them all to this disobedience, so that they all would get mercy. And this applies to both Jews and Gentiles. Why? Because, you know, this is just... For Gentiles to understand the picture, this mystery. Paul wants to reveal this mystery. Get this out of your mind, okay? Yeah, you've been grafted in. Don't be hoardy. Don't brag. Don't boast. You know, God still has not finished with Israel yet. Again, we tend to divide nations and culture. God so loved the world. This applies to Jews and Gentiles. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10, Paul started out with this letter. He says, it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. No one is righteous. And Paul mentions this in chapter 3. After in chapters 1 and 2, he's proved the point. He brought to God's courtroom the man that people concerned about in the jungle. You know, yeah, what about the man in the jungle? Never heard about Jesus. Everybody's worried about the man in the jungle, but not their own salvation. God says all the creation testify. It proves that there's a God. So they're left without excuse. Well, what about the moralists, the people who have morals? They say, yeah, people who are morals, they still sin too. They're not perfect. And what about the Jews who had the oracles of God? That's when he says, there is none righteous, no, not one. Regardless of where you come from, regardless of whether you morally have morals or not, whether you're Jew or Gentiles. Because when we get down to 23 in Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, he said, for all have sinned for short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Jew and Gentile, every Jew, every Gentile, God has committed them all to disobedience. However, here's God's ultimate plan, that he may have mercy on all. Mercy on And what is that? I'll give you a good picture of that. You know, I grew up, it was, it was four brothers. Four brothers. And out of all the brothers, believe it or not, Pastor Eddie was the baddest one. I was considered the black sheep of the family. Okay? I was the bad guy. All right? And guess what? When my brothers wanted to know what my parents think of things for discipline, they send me. Well, let's see. You know, the last time when Eddie did this, he got a beat down. Oh, we're not going to do that. What does mom and dad think about when we do this? Let's have Eddie do it. You know, it's like that old commercial. You know, the old commercial, the cereal bowl, right, Mikey? I'm giving my age back, you know? You know, it says, I'm not going to try it. You try it. Hey, they give it to their little brother. Let's give it to Mikey. If he eat it, and they're watching Mikey eat it, he's eating it. He likes it. He likes it. You remember the commercial? That was me. But not eating a bowl of cereal. I wish they gave me a bowl of cereal. 
And so they have, see, so what I'm saying is my brothers learned things not to do by watching me and get disciplined. We learn by looking at how God deals with Israel. And not only in discipline, but also in blessings as well. Also as blessings as well. Now, the next four verses, closing chapter 11, Paul is going to break forth in doxology and praise to God. In verse 33, he's going to praise the Lord. So after we've learned everything that God has for Israel, which also we are grafted in, we too should be praising God. So here it is in verse 33. He says, oh, the depth of riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. The depth of his riches is, is God's mercy, his love, and grace towards us. The depth of it. God doesn't, he doesn't carry these things. These are things that he is. This is a part of him, you see. He's full of this. No one has more love. He is love. And so he's the depth of his riches, both in wisdom and knowledge. And this is referring to the plan of salvation for all people. God, the knowledge and wisdom God used, when you start looking at the picture, says, wow, God had this all figured out. God didn't have to figure it out. He knew what he was doing from the get. He knew what he was doing from the very beginning. And so God demonstrates his infinite knowledge and his ability to use it wisely. Wisdom and the wisdom and knowledge of God. Arthur W. Pink writes this. He says, he knows everything, everything possible, everything actual, all events, all creatures of the past, the present, and the future. And he continues on and says, how searchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. J.B. Phillips writes this, if God was small enough to figure out, he wouldn't be big enough to worship. You figure out God, you got him all figured out. He's not a big God. He's beyond understanding. And can I tell you, I kind of, when I looked at that and I started studying marriages, you know, how I encourage young people getting married. I said, you know what? You would never understand your spouse to the fullest. Never. 30 years of marriage, Junie and I, we just celebrated a couple of weeks ago, and we never had a fight. Just kidding. Okay, some of you are awake. Okay. 30 years, I still don't know Judy when I get to 31 years. I mean, I know more about her now, but that's the beauty about the relationship. You always get to learn. Can you imagine you only have one chapter in the Bible? Can you imagine if God was an everlasting, all full of wisdom? You know, I, I, can, I can figure it out already. It's boring. You know, I already finished. I read the book. He's, not, he's alive. He's everlasting. His word is everlasting. And the same way that we created a God, we created an image of God, we would never understand God to the fullest. You know, I just enjoy him because, and I'm so excited. You know, like, I can never get tired of reading the Bible. You can read the verse over and over again, the same verse all your life, and God should reveal something new. It gives you new insight. Because the word is alive. God is alive. He's big. It's hard to, you can't really understand him completely. And so we create at the same image of God. And I tell these couples, listen, just enjoy each other. And that's what makes this a relationship with a marriage because you get to continue to know more and more things and you enjoy each other. Verse 34, he says, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has known the mind of God? Really, he is wisdom. In Proverbs said, he is wisdom. He is. It's not that he has it, obtained it, went to a university. He is wisdom. And the only way that you and I, listen, saints, the only way that you and I will ever understand the mind of God is when God chooses to reveal it to you. Chooses to you. Now, this is important. 
But we have the word of God. We have the Bible here so you could know through the word of God. But there are things that, you know, let's say Abraham. Abraham is amazing. That's why he's called the father of faith. Abraham did not have a Bible. Abraham's father was a seller of idols, pagan idols for worship. Abraham did not have the Bible. We took it about 400 years before the commandments even came into play. But how do you know about God that he says when he's negotiating with God, when God says, I'm going to share with my friend what I'm going to do with Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, Lord, it's not like you to judge the righteous with the wicked. Perfect example where we're not going to suffer the great tribulation. It's not like you to judge the righteous with the wicked. How did he know that? More importantly, he's the father of faith. The promise the Lord made to him. I'll make you a father of many nations, plural, not a nation, not just Israel. But a father of many nations, Israel, the Arab world, and he's a father of faith. He's our father of faith. Because he didn't have a Bible. Who taught him about faith? Today we have a plethora of books. We have psychopedias. We have CDs, DVDs. We have a whole section. We have series. We study about faith. We have so much resources about faith. Abraham didn't have anything. Now you know why he's the father of faith. But he understand God, the wisdom of God. Who, he understood the mind of God. He said, wow, you love me. You called me out. And so just simply in that relationship, Paul tells in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, he says, For we now see in a dim, a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. We see things dimly for now, but it's the amazing thing of God. He continues to reveal things to us, and we can know the mind of God. Verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Can any of us counsel God? It's a foolish thought. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13, he says, Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or as his counselor has taught him, who can become God's counselor? Who knows enough to give God advice? It's a foolish thought, isn't it? It's foolish. But here's the question. Have we not questioned God? Question God, say, Lord, why have you done it this way? Why couldn't have you done it this way. But Lord, why is this? It's like, Lord, why? Uh, hello? Are you awake up there? We've counseled God. We've counseled God. Who can counsel God? No one can. That's why I don't, you know, I let everything just go. I don't have to worry, you know. All things have been ordained by God. My life, my future, everything has been ordained by God. I need not to worry. Be anxious for nothing but everything in prayer, supplication, that the peace of God will surpass all understanding. All the most intelligent minds in one room cannot understand why you have peace. Why? Because you're anxious for nothing. You're in prayer and supplication. What's in front of me? I don't know what's in front of me. Lord, it doesn't make sense. But I know you, this is what you told me to do. I'm going to do it. Lord, what's going on? Why am I going through these trials and tribulations? I'm fixing you up. You're being prepared. Don't worry, I'm going to take care of those things. But I'm developing you to be a prayer warrior, to be a saint of God, a warrior of God. So we question him. I know we have. I have. I've done it. You know, 
You know, I just ask God for wisdom and say, Lord, I live in your hands. This doesn't make sense, but I know that you see all things and you know all things. Verse 35, oh, who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? <laughs> what can we give to God? The God's going to say, oh, well, listen, uh, I think you overpaid me. <laughs> oh, you gave me too much, you know. Oh, yeah, this is all I need. This is all I need. Job, in Job 41, verse 11, who has preceded me that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine. What can we give God? What can we give God? And he say, okay, listen, it's just too much. You know, when, when you look, read the last chapter of Isaiah 66, every time we get to the time of the holidays, when everybody's thinking about gift and giving, you know, Christ gave, God gave everything. And in Isaiah 66, the Lord says, what can you give me? All these things I've created, the earth is my footstool. What have you, what can you give me? You know, there is one thing that God doesn't have, one thing that God doesn't have that you can give him. And you know what that is? A broken and a contrite heart. And that's what he says in Isaiah 66. What can you give me? What can you give God? Broken and contrite heart. No, it's just give of yourself. But don't give of yourself trying to come complete. You ever, people say, you ever hear people tell you, well, I want to go to church, but I want, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> you never will be ready. That's the point. <laughs> it's like saying, oh, I'm going to go see the doctor, but I want to be, feel better. <laughs> you know, I want to be healed. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I need an extra limb, you know. It's not going to happen. You need to see the doctor. In verse 36, it says, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Everything is designed to bring glory to God. All this thing... God is looking at Israel. It doesn't make sense to a lot of people. It doesn't make sense to Jews. It doesn't make sense to Gentiles. But now you know. You're not ignorant now because you study God's word. You're not agneo, right? Because you study, you understand the mystery. Everything is designed to bring glory to him. And the all-sovereign God deserves the praises as Paul closes here with a prayer, with a praise of doxology. Deserve the praises of his people. All is creation. God is good to both Jews and Gentiles and to the whole world. Saints, Paul closes this section of the book of Romans as he does all his epistles. He always gives the doctrinal and he gives the practical. So much the church is always about practice. They want the how-tos. You know, it's like Christianity for dummies. You know, but you don't understand how things work. You need the doctrinal. But here in Romans, in the middle of the doctrine and the practical, he gives us a section, chapters 9, 10, 11, dealing with Israel. We should not be ignorant of this fact. God still has a plan for Israel. We need to pray for Israel. We're grafted in. We're grafted into the olive tree. We're wild olive branches. I'm We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been walking through the book of Romans with us, teaching us the truth and values found in its pages. As we continue to learn along with the recipients of Paul's letter, we'll find that the gospel message is present and practical for everyday life. If you've been touched by today's teaching and would like to listen again, you can find it on runningtheraceradio.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to the Running the Race podcast. When you do, you'll have access to the latest teachings as soon as they're made available. 
You can also connect with us on social media. Like our Facebook page to join the conversation and add some encouragement to your newsfeed. Before our time with you today comes to an end, we'd like to take a moment and tell you how you can partner with us here at Running the Race. With more, here's Tracy. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that running the race is missionary work? It is. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting running the race. Go to runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Give option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. That website one more time is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Join us again for another insightful edition of Running the Race.